The Sports Career Podcast, episode 218. How is digital fan engagement developing the future of the sports industry? Hello Sports Achiever and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. It's great to have you here and thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. I'm your host Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry. Especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in fan engagement in the sports sector. So I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Vanessa Asel Suluga. Vanessa is an author and the senior manager at Rakuten, where she specializes in the digital content initiatives with Rakuten sponsorship assets with regards to their portfolio to increase their services worldwide and also their brand awareness. For that reason, it's a real privilege to have Vanessa as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Vanessa will share her sports career journey and explain to you how digital fan engagement can really enhance the future of the sports industry. Vanessa, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, so my sports career journey, I would say it started when I joined ASICS Corporation back in 2006 as the first uh, Westerner at the, at the global headquarters here in Japan. So that was a huge challenge um, in itself. But where I really started my sports journey, if I go back in time, I think I understood the power of sports back in my early teens in Barcelona. Can we touch on that point in Barcelona? What do you mean you realized the para sport? Could you just elaborate on that point? I find that very interesting. Sure. So I'm Swedish and I moved to Barcelona when I was 13 for my father's job. And it's not easy being 13 anywhere in the world. And, uh, you know, we went on this journey to Barcelona. Uh, I went to an international school, didn't speak much English, didn't speak Spanish, but through uh, volleyball and ultimate frisbee, I picked up friends, I picked up the language. Um, it's all thanks to my physical education teacher, Mr. Chris, who handed me that frisbee. So sports has the power to change people and then people can change the world. So. This is what I meant by understanding the the power of sports. Funny enough, at university, I did ultimate frisbee. I didn't know it was did around you? there. Yeah, I did. A great fun sport, really interactive. I, I think it's one of those sports where you don't have to be good at sport to participate. So just on this sort of theme, I find this really interesting. Looking back now, how has participating in sport supported your career journey that as much as we'll touch on the business of sport, but actually sport in general is a tool to any walks of life 
to just get involved? Sure. So, I mean, sports, it, it kind of encapsulates life in the sense that you have to be a team player. You have to understand the rules. You have to respect the, the referee. You have to respect the, the opponent. And I think once you have participated in a team sport, um, you're always going to sort of have that with you. And I, I did have that with me. And again, when I started with, with ASICs in 2006, those were sort of six um, sort of the ethos of the, of the founder, Mr. Onitsuka. He had noted like six, um, six sort of advice for, for any sportman. And, and it's exactly what I had been feeling back then. So again, I think um, team sports can, can really teach you about how to act in life. And just with regards to your educational background, just to paint the picture for the listeners, could you just share from 13, going up from your sort of educational journey, which then led you to working with these great companies? Sure. So put it simply, I spent my teens in Barcelona, a pretty good time to be a teenager um, in a very cool place. After that, I wanted to be a journalist and I moved to London. And I did my journalism studies at City University because I liked words, I liked communication. Um, and then I had an opportunity to move to Japan. And it's in Japan where I eventually got into my sort of the sports uh, journey, but it's all kind of things lining up one, one after the other. And again, I was in my mid twenties when I really took that step into, into sports working a a marketing role um, at, at ASICS, and that's where it all took off. Cool. Well, we, we will be talking about your book very shortly, but just touching on your interest in journalism really quickly, how has that supported you looking back from a communication standpoint in the current role you're doing now? Right. So I think everything we do, whether it's an activation, it's a... Uh, it's a social post, it's um, anything you do for work uh, is based on storytelling. You need to tell a story. And having learned the, I mean, traditionally, you know, from, from journalism, having learned how you make a story, the who, what, when, where, why. I mean, once you have that as a background, I think you can apply that to, to any job, but especially a, a marketing job. So I had the, the passion for sports and I had the sort of the storytelling background. And I think that's both of those things are really paying off at the moment. Now, I just want to share the audience how I connect with you because we're touching on so many different topics. But one thing is about networking in the sports industry. And I saw you on the World Football Summit and I was just in awe of your like approach of fan engagement. It's not just entertaining the crowd. You have a different approach mainly could relate to that storytelling piece you're saying and making it, you know, connected with them. Out of interest, before we talk about that, how has building a network supported you, particularly in the football industry, out of interest? So I think, I mean, having a network is, is key, right? And, and I usually tell people it's not about who you know, but it's about who knows you. 
So you can brag about, oh, I know so-and-so, but will so-and-so really pick up an email when you, when you write them? So it's about, it's about who knows you, right? You need to make sure that you put yourself in a place where, where people answer your emails and, and your phone calls or your LinkedIn requests, which you know, eventually led to this. Um, so yes, having a network, key. And I think especially these days when we're, we're all sort of stuck wherever we are, reaching out to people who you may not have talked to for a while, people in the industry, outside of the industry. Um, I would just really encourage everybody to, to sort of make that effort because even though it takes a little bit of effort to like, you know, get in touch with somebody and say, let's go get on a call. You know, the, the return is like, you know, a thousand fold. Um, so yes, keep a, a good network is total key. And I think that's regardless of, of industry. I hope people are taking notes. And I just want to touch on today's podcast topic. How is sort of now in the modern era of sport, digital fan engagement is really influencing the future of the sports industry? Right. So, so I work for this tech giant, uh, Rakuten, which is a, it's a Japanese company um, with um, roughly 70 business units in, in across the world. And I think we have really taken fan engagement to, uh, to a really good level. And we learned a lot in 2020. We, we really understood that obviously a lot of the physical assets are gone. What we used to do, you know, in stadia, ticketing, all kinds of activations, face-to-face meet and greets, etc. We had to rethink a lot of that, right? And where I think we really excelled was last year, um, in the campaign that we called uh, the big picture. I don't know if you're aware of this campaign. No, I can tell you a little bit. Please. Okay, be amazing. sure. So we, we kicked this off in, in, in June last year, 2020. And the goal was to um, have Barca fans submit pictures and Barca gear. Using all these pictures, we made this giant mosaic on the exterior wall of Camp Nou. So we got thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures and the, um, the, the facade at the main entrance at Camp Nou um, has the, it's a big poster, uh, like 10 times five meters, displaying five players. Uh, Messi is one of them, Ter Stegen, Frankie de Jong, uh, Piquet, and the fifth one, uh, I can't remember who the fifth one was, but we have basically, we have fans who are saying like, oh, I'm on Ter Stegen's shoulder or like, oh, I'm on Messi's nose, you know? So it's it's a huge piece of fan engagement where we basically gave fans one of the biggest and most important sort of commercial assets, which is that main facade at Camp Nou. Wow, what a great case. Thank you so much for sharing. Would you mind now, in a little bit of detail, sharing your theory of this fantastic approach to fan engagement? Because I love this when you shared this on the World Football Summit. Wonderful. Yeah, so, so this thing that I called fantastic, which is fan-tastic, fantastic. It came to me um, at the beginning of this job uh, back in the summer of 2018. 
because we have a lot of sports assets properties in the in the Rakuten portfolio. So we're in baseball, we're in football, we're in basketball, we're in participation races like Spartan races. So we we're we're very broad. Um, and I kind of, you know, I was kind of talking to myself and I'm, I was like, how can I approach all these different fans from all these different sports properties um, and still be, be relevant, right? And then the word fantastic came to me and I was like, fantastic, fan yeah, fantastic. And like the word contains fan, it's fantastic. And, and the wonderful thing about this word is that it's, it's similar in many languages. So you have, you know, Swedish, fantastic. You have Spanish, like fantastico, you know? So it's a very happy word. And I just decided to to start using this word, and we did use it in some pretty cool um, activations. And one was the Rakuten Fantastic Cup, where we this is back two more than two years ago, when we were able to invite uh, fans from Chelsea, uh, a Japanese team, Vissel Kobe, and FC Barcelona. And we invited them to Camp Nou for a tournament. And this was the Rakuten Fantastic Cup. Cool. And just for people who want to work in this sort of sector of the sports industry, not just football industry, what career tips would you give to people who want to work in this sector? It really helps if you have a, a background in sports. It, does, it could be that you're a... Um, you used to be an athlete or you, um, you learned something through sports, you've run your marathons, you're something, if you have an emotional connection, I think it's a lot easier to build on it. Um, working with sports, it's, it's full of purpose. Um, it basically, even when you're having a bad day and you're, you know, you don't really know what to do with yourself, there's still purpose at the end of the day. I mean, you are, maybe engaging with a fan, you're maybe getting somebody to, to a starting line. So I think it's almost like, you know, look, look within and see what personal connection you can find with sport and just use that in your, in your own sort of storytelling and, and try, to, try to use that to, to find a job, to find an area that, that speaks to you. I hope people are listening, taking notes. And my final sort of question on this theme before we talk about your book, um, and it's just when I've just heard your story now, out of interest, how important is sports culture from with regards to understanding how culture has an impact in the way we work in different countries? Like you've worked in Spain, now you work in Japan, two different cultures. So I just would love you to discuss this just from your personal experience. Again, back to, you know, the powers of sports. It's about teamwork. It's about understanding each other. I mean, sports usually happens when you're not even speaking to each other. So I think understanding that, um, that there is that unspoken language, but there's still a set of rules. Um, and you can apply that to anywhere you, you work, right? So I've, like I told you, I've lived in, in Stockholm, Barcelona, London, Tokyo, Kobe, and I did a, a master's in Olympic studies in, in Olympia, in Greece as well. And, and once you have that sort of um, grounding in, in what you think sports is and how you want to relate to it, I think 
I think the rest kind of comes um, easy. I mean, it's it's easy to to inspire people by by talking about sports. It's um, yeah, it, it's it's a privilege to work in sports for sure. And and no matter which part you're playing, right? I mean, you could be you could work at a law firm, but you're you're doing like the the running club, for example. Or you're I mean, there's so many ways that you can apply sports to what you're doing without working at a at a sports goods maker for example thank you so much for sharing and i have learned that as myself through this podcast journey when i speak to people in africa america now in japan you're the first person in japan which is quite cool now i want to talk about your passion project from last year now you you've got a big role in what you do in your job so what inspired you to have a passion project by writing and now releasing a fiction book Right. Thanks for asking about this. So back again to my my days of journalism, I've always been kind of in love with words. Um, I started journaling when I was um, nine years old. My my grandmother gave me a journal and I wrote every day for 21 years from that day onwards. And writing a book has always been at the back, you know, the back of my mind. And even this piece of work, Forget Me Not Forever, that I published last year, I had had that story in me for probably about 15 years until I finally got it to a you know completion on paper. Um, so yeah, it's about accomplishing a, a dream that I had had since my childhood. Wow. If you don't mind, I just want to dig a deep bit deeper because... One thing I learned in my early 20s is the power of doing a journal to self-reflect and sort of think about the future. Just relating to those 21 years after you get your first journal, what did you learn the most from that experience? I learned how it really helped me maintain my mother tongue. Because I I decided, well, from the beginning, I was living in Sweden, but I, I spent, yeah, every day writing in Swedish. And when you live abroad, you tend to lose your mother tongue because you end up speaking your mother tongue at breakfast with your parents. And when, like, when you're a teenager, you're not really speaking to your parents anyway, but like, uh, but so, yeah, I was able to, to maintain my mother tongue, which is Swedish. And I wrote the story in Swedish and had it translated into English. So journaling, I mean, above just, you know, being uh, a way to to record history was really a way for me to boost my confidence, like way, way, way after, because many people told me that my my Swedish is is so good that it sounds like, you know, the written Swedish sounds like I, I never left Sweden. So this for me was a, you know, it was priceless. Oh man, I'm enjoying this conversation. I just want to go deep again in regards to you taking action. Um, a lot of people say, I want to write a book. You had this idea for 15 years. Can you remember the moment when you decided, right, I'm going to actually do this? Yeah, so it was sometime in 20, must have been in 2018 when I was like, Vanessa, you've kind of spend so much time working on this. Um, and if you don't publish it now, then like all that time is wasted. So I was like, either Vanessa, throw it out right now and forget it and don't be angry with yourself or just do it. And of course I went for the latter 
uh, spent a lot of time editing, rewriting, writing, and I, I was able to self-publish it on the, the COBOL um, platform on International Women's Day 2020. Yes, last year. And there's a reason why I picked International Women's Day because the story is, is about to, to connect with people. And I have been able to do exactly that. I'm, I'm speaking to old teachers from, from elementary school, uh, from Barcelona, etc. And in that sense, I'm kind of reliving the story because it is the story of, of two girlfriends who, who promised each other to, to go on a, a journey. Um, and eventually the journey takes place, but in a, in a very, very different way than, than they had um, anticipated. And this journey goes via some of the places that I really like, uh, that I have lived in. So it will take you on, on a journey from, you know, Sweden, you'll, you know, be in Barcelona for a few days, go to New York, there's a bit of Japan, there's a bit of Cuba, you know, there's, there's places that I feel very grateful to have been able to visit and also live in. Amazing. Well, there will be a link below where you should get a copy because this sounds really interesting. Um, I just want to touch on one thing for anybody who's listening and they're on that edge like you were to take action or writing a book. May I ask any tips you'd give to somebody who's working full time, but also has that sort of passion project of writing a book? Sure. So I think it's easy to do things you like. So make it a book that you want to write and and I even tell people, it's not like I find time, it's like time finds me. And when time finds me, I just have to sit down. I have to, I have to, to write it. Um, so I spend a lot of weekends writing, um, sometimes, sometimes after work, but it's, it's a little hard to sort of jump into sort of writer's mode, you know, at the end of a, of a long work day, but yeah, at the end of the day, like, don't make it too difficult. And, and I, like I said, I published on, on Kobo, which is a, a self-publishing uh, platform. And that's a great experience. And, experience. and I think anybody who has blogged um, has basically done it in, in a sort of miniature way because it's about writing a story. It's writing something that you want to convey and you you click publish and you send it out to the world and i kind of think that self-publishing a book is that but maybe times a hundred or a thousand so we as as human beings i think we're telling stories all the time whether it is through our our socials or you know in meetings a sales pitch whatever so i think writing a book of course it's 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 a huge undertaking but it's very doable at the same time also, how proud were you when you actually pressed that launch button and now the book's out there? Like, I'd love to hear your feelings on that. Yeah, that was a, that was a huge moment. And I was in Barcelona. Um, I had read the final draft on a flight from Tokyo and I knew it was right up before International Women's Day. I wanted to get it out. And just the, the positive response from people, like it was, it was overwhelming. And just the fact that 
I did publish it in Barcelona, um, where a lot of my stories have started, as you know, uh, by this by this chat that we've had. It just meant a lot that I was able to sort of circle back to Barcelona. I was going to say that it's sort of like you've gone full circle with the whole writing process. Vanessa, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Out of interest, what have you enjoyed the most from your career so far looking back? So I have a very... Um, emotional moment um, when I crossed the uh, ASIC Stockholm Marathon finish line with um, a father and son team called Team Nordmark. They are inspired by Team Hoyt, um, a father and son um, in Boston who, who ran for to put the spotlight on cerebral palsy. And I was able to, to start a, a partnership with, with a father, Mikael Nordmark, and his son. And uh, we ran Stockholm Marathon together with 10 co-runners um, as part of the, um, you know, my commitment uh, to, to working together with them. Uh, so, yeah, crossing that finish line back in 2014 is not only a career highlight but it's it's beyond that it's like a, a life highlight wow that's wonderful man uh, thank you so much for sharing that story as well look vanessa you've provided actually so many miniature stories which provide advice which provide people the humanity of what it takes to pursue a career what people want to do but i'd like to finish with an inspirational question what three tips would you would you give to a student literally just starting their career in the sports industry what would they be three tips one would be to talk to as many people as possible um whether it is people online um i guess most things are online at the moment but basically reach out to as many people as possible and, and make sure that they know who you are i think one is to to look maybe at one team that you really like. I mean, see how they do things. How, how would you like to work with them? Um, is there something you think that they could do, do better? Third is to, it's kind of like to define your own sort of um, Northern star, your own compass, your own purpose. Like, why do you want to get into sports? Because that's what eventually is going to, keep you on track when you're having a bad day so my my marathon moment that's my that's my northern star awesome look i hope the listeners have taken those three tips and have put them into practice particularly having that northern star that's awesome to hear i love that uh, example of a tip out of interest how can people interact with you on social media so i'm on instagram vanessa acel tsuruga and uh, I would love to connect with anybody there. I'm also on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, I would just welcome anybody to, to connect. And uh, hopefully I can learn something from them as well. Amazing. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website. And the book link will be on my website related to this blog post. Vanessa, it's been such a joy speaking with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is why I love podcasting and for me this was such a brilliant and wonderful conversation with Vanessa. There's so much I took from 
this podcast, but with regards to this week's podcast topic of fan engagement, I hope you've now got a better understanding how storytelling has such a big part with regards to fan engagement, particularly in the world of digital fan engagement, not just because of the pandemic, but moving forward, how we connect with brands, how we connect with athletes, how we connect to teams, it's all through micro content creation, which delivers a story. And if you are listening in and you're a journalist or you have that passion for writing or storytelling in general, I hope you've got a better understanding how this is a skill is applicable in marketing and again in fan engagement. But the biggest takeaway for me, which I admired the most from Vanessa, was her new book. As much as the book, should we say, is not sport industry related, but it's so related to her career, that longevity of having an idea, 21 years of journaling, which then inspired her to write a book 15 years on to make her book a reality and take action. These are like little lessons that we all experience. I don't mean the example of writing a book. I mean taking the action with our own desire on something we want to do. So look, I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast and really apply Vanessa's career tips into place with regards to your sports career ambition today and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Vanessa said, define your own northern star, your own purpose in why you want to get in sport. Having that purpose will keep you on track when having a bad day. So creating that northern star, it's your compass and where you want to go and what you want to do. 